Today's episode is brought to you by Rover. For $25 off your first booking, visit rover.com slash braincandy and use promo code braincandy during checkout. And to sign up with Zola and receive a $50 credit towards your registry, go to zola.com slash braincandy. After all these episodes, I still don't know how to start the show. We've tried Howard Stern start. We've tried songs. <laughs> Screaming. We've just tried just to you know, giggle our way. We right try into to be soothing. I'm not rhyming anymore, so yeah, maybe that's you're the welcome. <laughs> oh, oh, maybe that's the problem. Right, like that was what made it magical. And now we've, like, I think it's still magical. Samson's hair. Oh. Well, I think it's still magical too, and I'm happy to be here with you. We are going to have a really fun show today. I promise you that much. Um, As always. I have a lot planned, actually. We have an interview at the end that you are not going to want to miss with Amy Kaufman, who wrote a book about The Bachelor called Bachelor Nation. Oh, you've been raving about this book. Sarah, we have been. I love when you use my first name (laughs) because I know know you're serious. We have been doing. So much reality TVs for our, our entire adult, adult life. Yes. So oh my to God. Be, you are right. To be surprised oh. by something, that's when I was like, holy crow. This is bonk. Holy crow? Holy crow. Be- what? That's a new one. I've never heard that's that. That's a thing. Is it a thing? Yeah, I didn't make it up. Okay. Honestly. I just feel like cows are the go-to. <laughs> this book tells the story of The Bachelor, of course, but it puts it in the context of dating shows in general. So it talks about like the dating game and, you know, oh. the hi- you know, I love the history uh-huh. of. So I love that. She did a lot of homework. She did tons of interviews. Then she describes how the show came to be and the tactics that they use behind the scene to make this show that everyone loves. And I was shocked. Oh my gosh. It is so gross, Sarah. And then I went to dinner with our mutual friend who shall remain nameless who worked on three seasons of The Bachelor. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, give me the scoop. Oh my gosh. And she goes, that author contacted me and asked for an interview and I couldn't do it because I would never work again. <gasps> so it's all true. Ah! Yeah, she confirmed everything that I read in the book and oh my told me other gosh. stories. But anyway, the, the interview is great because Amy and I basically kind of talk about like reality TV, her book, but also like more generally... Is it right to watch these shows? Is it? that? Because I kept refer, referring to how the truth.org, where they would tell you the dangers of smoking, but then would give you the choice. Like, you have all the information. Now, if you want to keep smoking, that's your Ugh. choice. I kind of see that about reality TV, where it's like, we're telling you what goes on. If yeah. you still want to watch it, that's fine, but you should be an educated consumer. Right, right. And she goes, do you really think it's like that, where we're doing the equivalent of Mm-hmm. something that harmful. I'm like, I do actually. Yeah, I kind of do too. Especially lately with some things I've seen on the on the TV. I mean, the only episodes I've ever tuned into for The Bachelor or Bachelorette was the home visits. Oh my God. And after I saw one, I was like, oh, this What disturbed not. you about it? Well, it was the one, I want to say two seasons ago of The Bachelor, where it was a guy who his mother passed away. When he was rather young, I want to say 17, and he ha- his father became Sikh, 
Yes, 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 yes. And yes, I yes. was like, this is not okay for a million reasons because they're forcing a family reconciliation that should have happened in a therapy office and over the course of like weeks, if not months or years. Yeah. And it was, it, it felt disturbing to watch as yeah. somebody in the mental health field who knows how difficult these things are for families to deal with without a camera crew there. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it ended up with him, you know, people in tears and crying and, and storming Probably out. Traumatized and totally traumatized. Totally traumatized. Re-traumatized. I'm going to take a sip. I need to hydrate. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, yeah. Get it. Get it. How about this uh, beautiful Southern California weather we got cooking for this last week? It's freaking great. It's amazing, right? Mm-hmm. I hear it's like nice everywhere. And it's in New, even in New York. It's you like know, 75 degrees. It's funny you say that. When my mom was here, it, we had a little bit of a cold spell. Uh-huh. And it was warmer in Pittsburgh. It's so crazy. It's bonky. Yeah, Landon's in, uh, he was in like Massachusetts and- And it was and, perfect. And it was war- well, hotter was there. Lucky. Yeah. That's lucky. That's unusual. But anyway, yes, it's a lovely spring-like day. Mm-hmm. Um, that groundhog was full of shit. You know what? I've had it with Punxsutawney Phil. Punxsutawney Phil, Phil can F, f- off. <laughs> he is such Why a Why are we jerk. still listening to a groundhog for Christ's sake? This is such a big deal for that town. Is it? In Pennsylvania, Punxsutawney. Oh, you, you should know. I have never gone because it's like an all-nighter. It's like a thing? Yeah, like people stay up all night. Is it a specific... It's a very... It's one groundhog who... Yeah. Where do they keep him? He's like captive. <laughs> and so he comes out and then if he goes back down... So... I mean, this was so long ago, the Groundhog's Day, but I still don't know. <laughs> right. We're still talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Like he comes out and they declare whether he saw his shadow or whatever but there's so many lights that from the paparazzi there's always a shadow really right that's why almost every year it's the same and then we're supposed to have more winter right it's always bad news so they really need to like change the game here to be like give him a maze or something yeah you know what i'm saying yeah whatever yeah. i'm outraged (laughs) clearly (laughs) should have never brought it up i'm sorry um yeah but it's a big deal. I think it's like probably 50% of their town's income comes from this one damn day where people oh from all God. over Oh, come. they better not get rid of that. Yeah. They're really invested in this yeah. tradition. And he wears like a little hat. Yeah. That's cute that's though. That's cute. <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised you like that though because you hate when dogs wear sweaters. I hate when dogs wear sweaters. But like a, hat, a gopher with a hat. Or no, not gopher. gopher. What the heck is he? Groundhog. It's a groundhog say for Christ's sake, Sarah. I mean, what's the difference between a groundhog and a gopher? Size? Probably n- yeah, maybe. Groundhogs are big. They're He's pretty big. Fat. Do groundhogs have the paddle tail? Yes. I think so. They're like they beavers, do. right? Yeah. What the hell is the difference between a beaver? Don't a send teeth. me links, please. Yep. And like building dams. Whenever I ask rhetorical questions on here, <laughs> I'm just killing dead air people. <laughs> I don't actually want you to tell oh, me that's real funny. the difference between them. You know, speaking of states, I read this article on BuzzFeed. States? No, it was actually really good. Yeah, that's what made me think of it. So it Wait, was... before you do, I, oh, yeah. I did want to tell our listeners one thing. Yeah, tell them, tell them. That if they're getting married, yes. that I have an awesome deal for them. Yes. So if you register on Zola, which is this awesome registry website that has group gifting, they have hundreds of brands that you don't have to be limited to one thing. They have cool... Uh, suite where you can get help from a wedding assistant. Oh, nice. It's really great. And I like make your own website, right? 
it's, wedding website? It, yeah, it's real cute. You can add pictures and stuff like that. And they have, you know, it's super convenient and easy and just basically a one-stop shop for your registry. And if our listeners sign up at Zola.com slash brain candy, that's Zola.com slash brain candy, Z-O-L-A.com slash brain candy for the $50 credit towards your registry, which I think is a really good, good deal. Um, but yeah, check it out. I'm, it's I'm like sure. a gravy boat at least. All right. Or maybe a salt and pepper shakers, yeah. like real cute ones. Um, okay, but go ahead. Sorry. Okay. So I read on Buzzfeed, I thought this was interesting and that you would get a kick out of this. It was all the most popular slang terms in each state. I love this. Do you know what your state is? Okay. Let me think. Yeah. Think about it. Well, let me just give you, I'll give you a few to like, that's what I thought it was going to be. Yeah. It's Jagoff. Oh yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. That is the best. Yeah. And then when they give they ask for the definition of it, um, they say You're Jagoffing at. Oh my god, it's way funnier when you say it. Oh my god. You going down to Donzies. No, I'm not a Jagoff. <laughs> you Sounds guys, like you're Australian. You guys think I'm a Jagoff. It says uh Jagoff, which pretty much means a douchebag. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. My friend has a podcast called Yeah uh you jag off, yak, yakking with you jag off, and he's so funny, and it's all about Pittsburgh stuff. And you should, if you're from Pittsburgh, you should listen. But jag off, I mean, they're a dime a dozen. These guys, yeah. you got to call them out when they're a jag off. <laughs> now just I've like adopted a that word. I think I said it in the last podcast episode. Just like yeah. rolled off my tongue. Why isn't it catching on though? I well, for me, it's because I sit across from you often. <laughs> no, but why isn't it? Oh, why isn't it? Yes. Oh. I don't know. It's a really good word, though. And it doesn't... It kind of sounds like jack-off, which is funny, but it's not. Yeah. So, like, you can get away with it. Yeah. I don't have to apologize to Linda for that. Right. Uh-huh. You or, know what? Linda's yeah. a little bit of a jag-off. <laughs> you know what I mean? You guys? Oh, my gosh. There were some other funny ones that I didn't even know... Yeah, tell me were... more. This is so fun. Oh, oh, this one's good. You know what New York is? No. Deadass. What's that? I love that ass. Right? I had to ask that too because you know what? Simone, when I was on the last challenge with her, she was she would say that all the time. And I'm like, I don't know what you're saying to me. I don't know if you're saying like dead ass, like I'm dead ass serious. Or oh. I'm like it could be used to describe like the severity of something, like like that thing is dead ass. Oh, Oh, it's bad a, or like it's good. It could be like, yeah, basically a lot. Okay. Yeah. I love it, that. It can be a question, a confirmation or used to describe. Wait, how would it be a question? Dead ass? <laughs> is your ass dead? That's what I thought, but I don't know. I'm not from New York. Somebody from New York is going to have to clarify. Oh That's just what it says in the definitions. Do you know what California's is? I bet you can guess this. Hmm. Come on. Dude? Yes. Yeah. And I say dude, dude. all the time. Yeah, you do. I totally do. And- and I, the funniest is Landon and I say it to each other. That's funny. We'll I be like, like dude. And <laughs> I remember when I was little, I used to say it all the time. And that was when it was like just starting to maybe. Yeah, it was yeah, like just kind of be a yeah. thing. And my dad would always say, I'm not your dude. I'm your dad. And I'd wow. be like, dude, this is like, dude, dude, dude. Everything was dude. Connecticut's was fun. Packy store. 
Do you know what that is? No. It says in Connecticut, we call beer liquor stores package stores, and it confuses pretty much everyone outside of the state. During Prohibition, you'd go to get bootleg booze at a package store where they'd wrap it up for you so to not be conspicuous. I love it. So now they just call it a packy store. I'm, I'm going to go down that. to the packy store? I'm doing that. I love it. Yeah. George's is get to getting. What's that? It just oh, means yes. you gotta time get to started. go. You got to get to getting. We got to yeah. get to getting. We got to get out of here. Yes. I loved these. Um, Illinois is gym shoes. It's not sure if this is specific to Chicagoans or Il- we have to have to ask your sister, but I was recently told that gym shoes is not a universal thing. Like everyone else calls them sneakers or something. And I guess they just call them gym shoes. Oh, what like do you sneakers. call them? Sneakers? I tend I to call, call them tennis tenny. shoes. Yeah. Tennis shoes or tennies. Yeah. How about, can I just tell you this story? Yes, please. This is so classically Susie. Oh, I love it. I can't wait. So... I just realized that I have not put on a pair of tennis shoes no. since 2000. What? And 10. You haven't put on a pair of tennis shoes in 10 years, eight years? Like proper athletic shoes. Oh, like, like <gasps> since the challenge. Since the spring break challenge. Oh my God. I am. Oh, I guess when you're doing beach body at home, you don't I have do barefoot. to. You do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, right. There you go. Speaking of beach body. Uh, it's pretty much my obsession. Well, now you definitely don't need to wear any tennis shoes or gym shoes with it. Right. And that's why I never bought any. Right. But I have become one of those people who is militant about their workouts. Oh my God. I need a little bit of that. I am totally obsessed. Tell me. That's what you saw the Insta story where my mom and I were doing. Yes. The push up challenge. She is 73 and she does push-ups every day. Yeah. And she's in great shape. She's in fantastic shape. And I was like, how many? Because I was looking at a chart because I wanted to see like how I was doing. And um, she does 20 a day. Wow, which that's good. I don't even think she does it to exhaustion. She just yeah. has it in her mind that you have to do 20. Yeah. But for a 72-year-old, yeah, that's, that's really good. Weird. And she doesn't modify them. She does yeah, proper... Yeah, straight push-ups. I yeah. was watching that. I'm like, dang. And I was like... I get on the push-up train. Oh, my God. And I just, I'm really impressed. But anyway, so I use Beachbody, which is perfect for somebody who, like me, does not have tennis shoes or doesn't want to go to the gym, wants to do a variety of workouts so you don't get bored. Mm-hmm. Um, they have really intense stuff like P90X, Insanity, whatever. They also have a three-week yoga retreat and soothing. Love that one. Yeah, That's my really jam. nice stuff. And they have short ones because I go for like the 11 minutes or less. Oh, nice. Because <laughs> okay. I can do that. Doable. I can do 11 minutes. Exactly. So I wanted you guys to try it because Beachbody is giving free access to the platform to all of our listeners. All of you guys can get free trial membership when you text Brain Candy, all one word, no spaces, to 303030. You get full access to the entire platform for free, all the workouts, there's nutritional information, everything. I'm obsessed. I've lost six pounds. <gasps> oh, Suze. It wasn't my intention. I was just trying to, you know, get Slim in shape. Trim. And uh but I but more importantly, I feel stronger. And more uh, in touch with my body. That's a great feeling. Text uh, brain candy, all one word, to 303030. No joke. Okay. I want to hear more of those things. Oh, okay. Do that. Um, let's see. I mean, unless you're bored. Th- no, I'm not. I'm so into them. Oh, this one's weird. South Dakota, who, I mean, like the 10 people who live there, it's ca- taverns, but not the way you think, not like a bar. Guess what a tavern is? It's a food item. You'd never guess this in a million years. If you do, I would just, I don't know, do a backflip or something. Does it involve a potato? No. What is it? 
In South Dakota, sloppy joes are called taverns. I was going to say, does it involve meat? But I would never, never guess sloppy right? joes. And then also that this is a list of the most popular words, like things that are most associated with that state. Why are sloppy joes so popular in South Dakota well, is the follow-up question. I mean, that makes sense, though, because it sticks to your ribs and they're like cold and yeah now i'm really it's hungry very- for a sloppy joe <laughs> Dang. did you eat those growing up yes my me grandma too. made those for me and they were so good they almost felt like naughty to eat what's the difference us. between a sloppy joe and a manwich sandwich is it just just a ridiculous name is manwich just a brand of sloppy yeah, joe i think so okay i think why so. don't we call them sloppy joes we're know. really bringing up more questions than we're answering <laughs> right. on this episode i did not say that <laughs> um that's funny. Wonder does it say why they call it a tavern? No, I'm gonna have to look, you know, do some more research on that. Right. Washington is hella. I'm not into that. You're not. You mean Washington State? Yeah. No, I'm not into hella. Yeah, and you know what? It's a Northern California thing for a while, and I think it just kind of like trickled down, <laughs> right, from up there. Right. Huh. Wisconsin is blubber. In Wisconsin, a water or drinking fountain is called a blubber. Get out. It says right here, according to, uh, you know, Where's this list? All right, I'm going to put that in the newsletter. We'll put it in the newsletter. If you want to sign up, it's on thebraincandypodcast.com. That's also where our merch is, you guys. It's super cool. We have pillows now. (gasps) They're so cute. Kids stuff. Really cute, really cute items. Yeah. Um, You can hear the rest of the list. Yeah. I wanted to tell you about George Washington's hair. Oh, like we're not talking about his teeth for a second? (laughs) That's right. Okay. That's correct. Okay. Um, also made of wood or what? <laughs> Funnily enough, you know, you picture George Washington on, mm-hmm. on our money and you think of that wig. powdered wig. That was his real hair. No. Yes. No. Yes. He took great pride in making it look like- I never in a million years thought you were going to say that. I was just about to say some joke about like him being bald, bald like, yeah. and like didn't take care of- Huh. That was his real Could hair. Could have put a little bit of that effort towards his teeth. <laughs> Maybe he learned a valuable lesson about uh, hygiene. He was like, oh, you don't take care of it, you lose it. <laughs> You're really hung up on his teeth. Well, because I just think it's a ridiculous part of history. Yeah. And is it true? He really did have a wooden I mean, situation? Based on what I've heard, but... <laughs> Well, anyway, so here's a scoop. But I also thought he wore a wig, so what the hell do I know? Uh, this is bleeding into a little something we like to call history, according to Susie. <laughs> Sounds so official. <laughs> okay, here's the story behind George Washington's hair and why we should care about it. So recently in a beautiful university archive... Uh, they found a book. And I loved when historians stumble upon cool stuff mm-hmm. in archives because it shows how important it is to preserve our history and what we can learn from it. In this book, it was quite old, and um, I forget who the owner was, but you know, it was somebody important enough. But they had included in it George Washington's hair, a lock of oh, it. I am so into this story right now. Right! And it was, you know, one of those locks like you'd keep from yeah, a baby. Yeah. So and, like a little ribbon around it or something? Yeah. Oh, it was I tied it. up. And then it said on the side, like, George Washington's hair. And the archival person was like, 
Oh my god! And it was white, yeah. Yeah. Oh wow! And so you know they were super excited. True. He did powder it. Okay. Yeah. So maybe the powder, like it's like my bleach. You know what I mean? Oh, maybe. Who knows what the hell was in that shit? Yeah. Sorry, Linda. Um, Interesting. Okay, so. They found the hair. It's always super fun, and universities get very excited. Librarians get very excited. Archivists get very excited because you know they don't have <laughs> not a lot of time to get yeah, excited. About. Sometimes it's they have slow yeah. days. Dewey Decimal System really not making people jump up and down these days. <laughs> so, um, but the article was really interesting because it pointed out the ways that at that time locks of hair were the equivalent of um, selfies. They were. <sighs> shared they you you would give them to people people would put them in jewelry for example i've seen that yeah they were okay now my mom's obsession with keeping my hair doesn't sound as weird yeah i mean mama's got to keep their baby's hair i have a lock from lincoln's first haircut she kept an entire braid yeah that's weird 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 (laughs) yeah but i bet it's kind of cool it was like down to my butt and she braided it and it was when i decided to go real short and she she was like fuck off locks for love i'm keeping she kept it oh my god so um and it's really cool because the article is describing this history of preserving hair and how george washington's hair in particular was something of great import even after he died they made sure to take lots of it because they felt and we still see this now that he's like the guy. He's like the, he represents mm-hmm. a history. And um, a lot of people have like fraudulent Washington, George Washington oh hair. God, yeah. Um, and they even use some of it in a weird experiment to show, not the new kind, uh, some that they had from previously. Uh-huh. They did an experiment to prove that like, his hair was superior to Native Americans oh. and people of color. So I'm just Ugh. pointing out like the historical importance of yeah. how people saw hair yeah. and like the ways that they treated it weird. But it was just exciting that somebody was able to find something new you know, to add to the conversation. Kind of like everybody can can it because <laughs> now Native American hair, Indian hair, those things are the coveted hair that they use in extensions and wigs and hair pieces because it's so healthy beautiful. and beautiful and shiny and durable so yeah i'm not sure sh- I, you know. I didn't write down and i don't recall the what type of experiment was done mm-hmm. like what are you testing it for because i'm sure this was before yeah. like we knew about dna and stuff right so like what were you doing yeah thickness yeah maybe it was something <laughs> like that if it was too thick they just but he was unusual at that time as you noted that most people wore the wig put powder on it um, but he was like, yo, I, I got, got this. this. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I don't know. How do you think that wig situation? Oh my God. How about how in England, those poor lawyers still, still have to wear those? Can you believe it? They really I are I mean, clinging. we got to put to- that to rest, guys. Why are you people doing that? It's All just three misery. of our listeners from Britain. Yeah. <laughs> and you ask your husband. I'm sure that he would not know. <laughs> <laughs> He's Nobody not really so much of a history buff. They're really into like the whole, you know. I'm over it. Preserving the tradition thing over there. Maybe I mean, they still got a queen for Christ's sake. I know. But how much do we kind of love it? I love it. I'll tell you what, their system's looking better and better lately. I've been so like torn up about politics and I'm like, you know what? Let's just do that. No, because then our guy is going to become king. And no, not our. That? I know, I know. Ugh. But I'm just saying like they seem so nice. They all seem so civilized. Yeah, and they do. I saw that like 
uh, Kate went to the BAFTRA, which is like the British Academy of Film, whatever, mm-hmm. awards, and it was a blackout. You know, everyone was wearing their black dresses for mm-hmm. Me Too and mm-hmm. Time's Up. But she is prohibited oh, from, from making political statements. Yeah, huh? so she wore a beautiful burgundy dress and wore a black velvet belt. Good for so her. So everyone was like, mm-hmm. what is that? It's as close as she can get but to it. But they were all, some people were mad you should have worn a black dress. Some people were like, she did as close to yeah. wearing black as she could. But Yeah, because nobody wants to get scolded by the queen. Ooh. Hell no. Uh-uh. I saw that Meghan Markle over Christmas gave yeah. the queen, they do gag gifts. Oh. <gasps> I love that. And she gave her some sort of ridiculous, like, st- oh, damn it. I can't remember. It was something. Well, we have to Google yeah, this. Google Meghan Markle gag gift queen or whatever. Okay. And it was something hilarious. And I thought, I would be so scared. But the queen loved it. Whatever this thing that Sarah will tell us what it was. I heard also that the queen... Um, for everybody who works at for the queen or at the palace, like they write down exactly what they want for Christmas, and the queen gets it for them, and then she gives it to them. And the thing that they have to say when they receive it is "Thank you, it's exactly what I wanted." And every person has to say "Thank you, it's exactly what, what I wanted." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have got to be kidding. Okay, okay, okay. I have um, so much to say just about that. Tell me. I mean. That's so funny. Is that supposed to be funny or is it supposed to be just like nice? I think it's supposed to be nice. I think it's supposed to be, okay, everything just says it was downright hilarious, but what is it? Um, Okay, da 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 da. Following me. For the first time, all presents. What did she get? Oh, a singing toy hamster. Yeah, that's (laughs) it. I used to have one of those. And apparently she loved it. Right, she loved it. And I thought, she must have been like, what would you get? The queen? Cushion? Like, what are you going to get oh, her? Oh, that would be so funny. Okay. And you think, well, something that's never black been done. <laughs> My God, Sarah. I'm you kidding. Would. You totally would. Oh, that's funny. Um, Yeah, I thought that was really cool. And I thought, well, maybe they're not so uptight. Yeah, so I guess somebody gave um, Prince William this, uh, what are called Tam O'Shanter hats. It sounded like a hat, but it had hair attached to it, and it was like a joke about how he's losing his hair. He's looking friggin' great, though. Did you see him on a motorcycle? No. Mama Sita, Google that. I was like, oh, save that for later. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah. Oh, Oh my God. You know what? This is totally off topic, but... What else? When There's I was no. with, right, what are, what topic are we even right. on? <laughs> so I was with the guy that runs Patreon recently, uh-huh. and his name is Jack, and he's super nice. And we were talking about some of the because we have a Patreon for all of our challenge content, which you should check out and be, you know, watching all our videos. Patreon.com slash brain candy. But anyway, he was talking about the other um, creators and how there's so many different ones. And I was telling him a story of how I went to their. They have Patreon. Mm-hmm. I went to that and I met this really lovely girl. She kind of looked like Bryce Howard, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. I have no idea. Ron who that Howard's is. daughter. Oh, okay, okay. The redhead. Yeah. The actress. She looks like Jessica Chastain. Okay. And long, beautiful, elegant, kind of like Dahlia, redhead. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, I should see what she creates. I went to her Instagram. What? Just asses. Asses. Hers. Just pictures of her ass. That's what you... Wow. And she has a Patreon and people pay to see these really 
pictures of her butt. Yeah. Well, and hey, so if I, you got I, it flaunted, isn't that what they say? Totally. But I just wouldn't have expected it. She was right. dressed She's so like, modestly so, and proper oh and gosh. elegant. And I was like, girl, thank you. <laughs> so anyway, we were talking about the various creators and he was saying how a lot of them are members of the ASMR community. Uh, yep. And how- As am I. Yeah, like and listener. how they, you know, you can go to their Patreon and get like bonus content of them doing whatever it is that you love Tapping that they on do. The desk. Yeah, and he was like, you know, like crumpling up paper. Yeah, oh, I love it. And so I thought, boy, Sarah really should be poking around Patreon. I like hair brushing noises. Like when they brush their hair. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's just makes sense. They like brush. <laughs> they brush like a mannequin doll's head, so it feels like you're having your hair brushed. And you know how good it feels when somebody yeah. brushes your hair. That's the same feeling that I get just from hearing somebody brush their hair. Wow. Oh, it's so it's real nice. satisfying. You know what else is satisfying? What Rover.com. Rover.com is this awesome app that has all of these dog borders, pet sitters. You can get dog walking and daycare right from your phone. You just put your info in, whatever your needs are, whether it's something that you need regularly or just sort of last minute. You just put it right in the app and you're going to get all of these great options of reviewed, trusted pet sitters and dog walkers for your dog. And Sarah uses it all the time for Sigmund and Bo. Um, and it's super simple. Just put it on your phone. And they have a deal for our listeners. So you go to rover.com slash brain candy and you can get 25 bucks off your first booking if you use our promo code brain candy during checkout. So again, that's rover.com slash brain candy for $25 off your first booking and just use promo code brain candy. She loves it. You'll love it. It's super simple. Give it a try. If you have nothing else urgent, we can introduce mm, our guest. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm excited about this. So some of the things that blew my mind, this will shock you. Mm-hmm. <gasps> um, and I'm not, we don't talk about it in the interview, but in the book, she reveals that on The Bachelor, the producers track the periods of the no. contestants so that they can manipulate the women who are in certain stages of more effectively. How sick is that? That's disgusting. I mean, Amazon does that too, but <laughs> it's really gross. I mean, oh, I wonder if they, what? Then mm. she talked about how, and That's we also really interesting. didn't talk about it. It makes total movie. sense. It does, but come on. If they're ovulating, there's going to be way more female competition in the house. Mm-hmm. Like I would put anything where you're going to have a, all of them together. Oh my gosh. And it's going to be more emotional the week before. And they're all going to sync up. Yeah. The Wellesley effect. That's a freaking real. And they say that in the book. And then she also revealed that the producer, the creator, Mike Fleiss, would walk around with a wad of $100 bills. Oh no. And any camera person, sound person, producer, director that could get the shot, whatever it's, you know, thing they want, the kiss or the scandal or the she did this would get uh, $100 cash handed to them. And that might not sound like a lot of money, but these a lot of these people work on day rates. Yeah. And let's say your day rate is $400. And then oh my you God, that's huge. get two more $200 that day. That's 50% more <sighs> yeah, money. Yeah. And 50% so pay raise. The for... whole crew oh ha- God, was incentivized financially to get these contestants to behave in ways that were televisable, which means <sighs> scandalous, dramatic, yes. inappropriate, etc. 
And that's just two examples of Whoa. things that blew my mind. I, I have like chills. I have to read this book. Yeah. It's kind of depressing, but it was fascinating, of course, in the same way that the show is. Yeah. Um, but I really recommend it if you're a fan of reality TV or if you just want to know how thing, how the sausage is made. It's called Bachelor Nation. And Amy Kaufman, who's here with us today, is the author. And she is a consumer of the show. She's been a longtime fan. So she's not trying to say it's the worst thing ever, it's the devil. She's just saying, here's what's behind the show that we all love. And it has been on for like 32 seasons or something crazy. You just made that number up, right? <sighs> I it's did. But I think like it's because there's, there's The Bachelor, Bachelor in oh, Paradise, yeah, there's yeah, Bachelorette. We might be up to that number with yeah. the, the count the whole franchise. Yeah. Yeah, it's been on for a long, long time. Anyway, so welcome to the show, Amy Kaufman. So thank you for being on the show. I'm so excited to talk to you. I'm so excited to talk to you. Your book is fantastic. I hope everybody reads it. I'm going to proselytize and tell everybody it's essential reading. Here's what I wanted to know. When you decided to write this book, I mean, you talk in the book about how, you know, you were a viewer and somebody who enjoyed the show, The Bachelor. And then you were like, I'm going to do this book. Was your intention for it to be like an expose or just like to unpack the cultural phenomenon? What was your intention? Yeah. I mean, I think it started with having some of the contestants over during viewing parties and them telling crazy stories and being like, is this really how this works? Like, because Unreal had just come out and a lot of people were asking, you know, yeah. is Unreal real? And it seemed just from a few circumstantial, circumstantial like discussions that there were elements of Unreal that could be real. So I thought, you know, let's see if there are people who are willing to talk about their experience. Um, I know that a lot of people signed contracts, so I didn't know if that would be possible. Yeah. So I reached out to a few people who used to work on the show and weren't currently employees just to see if like there was enough there that I could at least build a proposal on. And I did, I don't know, seven or eight discuss interviews and found that there was some stuff that I wanted to share with readers out there. Yeah. So you kind of wanted to show the viewer more to the story than just what they're watching on a weekly basis. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point, most, I would think most reality t TV viewers are pretty savvy that like what we're seeing is not a straight depiction of reality that like producers have, you know, jazzed things up. And of course there's editing. Um, but I don't think people know the extent to which that happens. And also just people who, our culture is like so obsessed with going on these shows. And yeah. if you're going to do that, um, I think you should know like what you're in for at least. Well, that's one of the things I wanted to get your sense of. Do you think that it's possible for a person to really know what they're getting into before they I, do it? No, because like I wouldn't tell my smartest, like an Ivy League educated, like completely sane, rational person to go on this show. Like I just think once you get in that scenario and you – you know, are completely cut off from the outside world, have producers who are experts at like digging in and, and getting, you know, you to crack, so to speak. Um, and then also like your hormones and everything working on overdrive, you do not know, and alcohol. <laughs> so you don't know how you're going to behave. Right. Um, I'm so curious to hear from you. Like, do you think you could have ever had a sense of what it would be like before you went on the sh a reality show? Well, so I began my reality journey back before even Survivor existed. And it really was a more pure 
experience where right. the documentary style was still happening. And then I kept going back and watched the changes. And that has been what sort of makes me wound up about it because I really love the genre and I really believe in this idea of good storytelling and showing, you know, what really happens when people interact, the social experiment of it. And I just don't like what it's become. So mm-hmm. that's what I was so interested to read. Your book did such a great job of contextualizing The Bachelor within television and culture. I was amazed at the way that you talked about this sort of history of dating on television, even as far back as the dating game. Yeah, which I'm sure the majority of readers of this book will probably not have seen or even heard of. But it's, I never would have thought to do that. And I was like, that is such a clever and important way to show how we got where we are. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy to me to hear like the producers from, you know, as early as the 1970s saying that they did kind of gnarly right. stuff to get, to get contestants to behave a certain way. Right. And I mean, it makes sense, but you think, you know, television was so different and has become something totally off the wall now. So whenever you approached people, some of whom were under contract and some of whom I assume had their contracts were expired. Is that the difference between who would talk to you and who wouldn't? Uh, there was really no like underlying commonality I would say yeah a lot of them weren't in terms of the producers none of them worked on the show anymore right but the contestants there were definitely a lot of people who still go on shows um because like I I honestly feel for them I think it's kind of unclear in the contract like what you can and can't talk about you know like it's very distinct that when you're on it you can't talk about spoilers or like you know how far you got or um that kind of thing for a year um, I think it's here, but then after that, it's like, well, how much can I delve into what happened? And will I be sued? It says like, I'm going to be sued for $5 million. Like some people are super cautious and are just like, I'm not even going to go down that road. I, even if I'm saying the most generic stuff, but other people were like, well, I mean, you see all the time blogs and stuff of people talking about their experiences on these shows. It feels like so much of it's out there already that I think a lot of people feel like, what's the harm and also unreal exists, which is a fictional depiction. So that's really their protection, obviously. But well, whenever you were talking to these people, <clears throat> did you feel like they were at risk? Cause I really don't feel like they would ever actually sue anybody for something like that. Do you? I mean, they never have in all right. these years, right? Like, and That's people have I mean. said some crazy, and, like, and even as far as spoilers go, there was a season where a girl by accident, like, revealed who she had chosen on Snapchat. She showed them on Snapchat, and I don't think anything happened. So, like. Right. I almost feel like these threats, and even when they sent you that letter, saying, yeah. like a cease and desist, essentially, it's all, it actually is to add to the drama. Is that, am I being What do you mean, like, add to the, like, like, to add to their mystique as, like, a powerful... Yeah, and to be, like, then that's what people talk about, like, oh, it's a thing, and it's even more, like, more taboo, so then people want to know more about it. Mm. I might be cynical or paranoid, but I almost feel like that's part of the intention, because otherwise, why wouldn't they sue some of the people? Right. Have you scrutinized your contracts? You're just like, they're not going to do anything. (laughs) Um... (laughs) 
they will find people. They have find people on our show. But our show is so small potatoes compared to theirs in terms of like the money is at, at stake. So I think like they might sue or they might fine you $5,000 or something, but they would never sue for $5 million. It's just not even worth it. Who cares is the challenge. I mean, there's a lot of hardcore challenge fans out there. I don't know, Susie. You're <laughs> underestimating the advocate. Well, I'm not under contract anymore, so I don't care. But that's what I wondered. Like, are there contracts in perpetuity? Right. The language it- is, like, flexible enough that I think you could make that argument. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's way worse. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Okay. I never write down questions, but I did for you because I'm too close to the Monet and I didn't want to miss anything. Okay. Um, okay. Here's the thing. So much of the things in your, so many of the things in your book surprised me and I was expecting to not be surprised because I'm like, yeah, I know, I get it. I know how they were. Like, as you met my husband earlier, he's on in production on reality TV. I get it. But there were things that really were surprising to me. What surprised oh, you the most when you were finding all this out? Um, I think just, I really, at the end of it, felt like I had a full picture of how you could become a different person like in this situation because you know like it's so easy when we're watching um my friends and I are watching and we're like well why would you get that wasted (laughs) or why would you say like I love you after four and a half seconds like these seem like very easy choices not to make and that's what so many people say before they go on the show like well as long as I don't you know drink too much and as long as I don't act like a bitch like I'll be fine but it's like no you will not be you don't (laughs) understand and um that really like was hammered that 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 came through really strongly to me after talking to so many producers and having that one guy like act out sort of the interview situation like if he was trying to get me to reveal something he was just so intense and I was like "Ah, should I say what you want (laughs) well and they I thought Okay, one of the things you said that was, like, mind-blowing to me and so on the nose was when you talked about that interrogation interview style where they break people down and there's a sense of, like, I just want this to be over and I'll say whatever you want and, like, just let me go to bed or whatever. And you compared it to the Making the Murderer uh, confession of that Brandon Dassey or whoever – yeah. Like, oh my God, that is exactly what they do. Well, yeah. Some one of the contestants was like, "It's kind of like a police interrogation." And then I was like, "All right, I don't know that much about them beyond making a murderer." So I read this book um, that broke down the tactics, and yeah, it was all it was like isolate someone, like ask them the same things over and over again, 
uh, reiterate that they can't leave unless they sort of give you what you want to hear. Like all things that I had heard producers talking about. I mean, I think there are a lot of similarities, honestly. Absolutely. I thought that is exactly what it's like. The stakes aren't as high, of course, but yeah. I mean, when it's your life, it's important all the same. When Do you, you were, have you been in that situation where you felt like, like you just said something just to like get out of there? Absolutely, and I've begged them, please just tell me what you want so we can wrap this up. Like I'll t- literally, I would have read from a piece of paper if they gave it to me. Hmm. I think they actually prefer it to feel like you came up with it on your own, even though half the time you're like, wait, what do they want me to say? Oh, okay. I mean, like I got a tattoo and they were like, why did you get a tattoo there? That's so suggestive. At the time I was a virgin. And so now I realized they were trying to make this plot that I was like turning into a woman Mm-hmm. And, you know, I de- finding my sexuality. And I was like, I don't know. I just thought it looked pretty there. And they're like, but really what? And it went on and on. And eventually it's like, oh, they want me to say the thing. All right. You know? And do you think in that moment, like, listen, like, like are you doing like a, a value proposition? Yeah. Like, you know that you're going to look bad? Well, it's, yeah, it's like a cost benefit analysis. Like, how right, important right, right. is this to me? And a lot of times the uh, thing that they're trying to get is stupid gameplay stuff in our situation. But on The Bachelor, this is about supposedly love. Right. And that seems so much like more intense and there's a lot more at stake for who you are as a person when you leave. When you spoke with the producers, did they feel remorse ever? Um, Remorse was not an emotion I would say I encountered a lot. Um, I think, you know, and to be fair, like, you know, I lay out the contract in the book, which is super extensive and yeah. says that you're going to be embarrassed. Like they have the right to like misrepresent you, you know, it really says like, you're going to be humiliated. So get ready for that. Of course, no one understands the depth of that, but, um, I think the producers that I at least talked to really felt like, listen, like if you sign that, then it's fair game. Like what's the problem? This is all technically within bounds. Sure. I get that legally. And, but, but it just feels like ethically they would have some sort of, cause even you mentioned how, you know, they can become close and they know this is a human being who has a real life. So there is some internal conflict perhaps, but I don't sense a lot of guilt. Like I feel like they think it's all worth it if it makes a great show. I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, as we're talking about like people who go on these shows, something they need to be aware of is like, no matter how much you think someone has your back, they're always going to be also producing a show. So it's never like a pure friendship, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, whenever you spoke to the contestants that are still participating, was their feeling this idea of cost benefit where they're like, yeah, sometimes you look stupid on TV, but I get to sell skinny tea and I have all this stuff. Totally. Like Ashley, I, you said you, you, you know her as well. Um, I think she talked about like, I don't even know if this is in the book, but I've heard her say, you know, okay. Yeah. Like I'm crying and I look ridiculous, but I'm crying. Like it's not that bad. And if that's the worst thing they can say about me that I'm like super emotional, then so what? She has 650,000 Instagram followers, you know, like 
it's, and in a way it sort of made her seem, seem relatable. And like people come up to her and say like, Oh my God, I also am a virgin and have never fallen in love. So I, I, there are people certainly who feel like the producers, I think push them to like reveal them tr- their true selves or like get to a, an emotional place that they weren't comfortable with. Um, it's not like everyone thinks they're evil. Of course, a lot of people are still wrapped up in it. Mm-hmm. When you look back on it, I'm sure you don't think like every single person you encountered with had bad intentions, right? No, I don't think they all had bad intentions, but I do feel like um, they're, they're, most of them would throw you out into the trash if it meant you know, bringing somebody in that was, yeah, I don't know, just, it, it really, I don't, I do think it, it's commodified. And so it, mm. they can't fully see you as human. And I have a theory that a lot of them want, really wish they were on camera. And so Ooh. there is this <laughs> sense of like, oh, okay, you're sad because you looked kind of stupid in that one episode, but you have all these people that love and adore you, please. That's what I think. Huh. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. A lot of the producers from The Bachelor, like, are on social media now. and I mean. Yeah. I mean, it's very clear to me that, especially some of the people that you talk about in your book, have a desire for that fame. Well, when you're that close to it, I'm sure it's, like, intoxicating. It's, like, just out of reach, right? Okay. But what about, so, you know, these producers that are like, oh, my God, I love um, Jade and Tanner and their baby is so amazing. <laughs> and Were you on Instagram yesterday? <laughs> and they're magical. <clears throat> and, oh, my. Do people like that really feel both things? Where they, they know it's a TV show and they want to make the best show possible, but they also have this um, affection for the human beings involved. I mean, listen, obviously I'm not in those people's heads. I think that's possible. I think like that's also a way of justifying your behavior. You know what I mean? Like there's certain ones you really do care about and other ones who are more for production value or whatever, but you can be like, no, like I have a real, I remember having a conversation with someone on the show, a producer on the show, like before I was banned and (laughs) I said something probably pretty judgmental about like, you know, how can you be friends with these people? Like the fame seekers, they're whatever, you know, I was being snarky. And, um, he was like, these people, you would be so surprised. Like they're all amazing. I find something of value in like each one of them. And I mean, yeah, I think the way that that's the other thing that kind of makes me feel weird is like, there's all these posts sometimes from people who are like, defending the cast on social media and being like, this is not a space where you can make fun of people on The Bachelor. But it's like, you realize that people are making fun of them because of an image you helped to create. Right. It's odd. That is odd. And so I just am like, which one is it? And how are we pretending like it's not that? You don't think, you don't think both like a, like a friendship and a, producing mindset can exist. I do think so. But given what I've read in your book with the specific people that are, you know, involved, there's no way because it is, there is so much money on the line for these producers and the co-creators that that is really all that can matter. 
It doesn't matter if fucking Evan and Carly break up in two years. They don't care. This is silly. And if the chips were down and, like, they needed help, they could not go to production. And I know that for sure. There's no aftercare. There's no guidance. And that's what me and my co-host Sarah get worked up about, too, is that these people are in trouble if they are high risk. Which I was going to ask you, though, it feels like the the Bachelor cast is – often from a privileged background or they tend to not be high risk, at least financially speaking. Is it, do you think that's intentional? So I didn't get enough. Um, I didn't get to do enough research as I would have liked on like the, the financial backgrounds. Um, because I think there's so much talk about like ethnic diversity and sure. body types and stuff. Um, yeah. but yeah, they're, I don't know though. I mean, it's so hard to tell because it's like, just like with religion, someone was asking me like, Oh, do a lot of Jewish people go on the show? It was for like a Jewish website. And I was like, actually, I do think they're a fair number, but you only hear about um, Christian or Catholic people because that has to do with sex. Right. So it's like, you only hear about virgins or people. Yeah. That's a good point. So I don't know if, um, what was your question? You're talking about about like they're they seem to all be upper class. Oh right, I, I feel like they only highlight like someone who's really from like the wrong side of the tracks, <laughs> or someone who has like a super wealthy background. Like on hometown dates, a lot of times we see like middle class, average houses. You know, mm, um, sometimes. But I, I think there's a, there's a woman in the book who makes a good point of like, if you're going on this show, yeah, like who is. I mean, <laughs> I'm just saying like the, the, the point that you're at in your life raises questions, right? Like who can just leave their job for six weeks? It does raise questions. That's generally hard. You know, of course there's exceptions. There was like the attorney general guy who got to leave or the DA, but, um, right. You know, so it's like, you're maybe not in a great place in your career. You're wanting a big change. Like already you're sort of like, well, who's, who does that limit the pool to? CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. So one of the things I wanted to talk about um, was the Bachelor in Paradise incident with Corinne and Demario. Demario, yeah. And you talk about it in your book, and I obviously am. I, I wrote about it for Jezebel, so I feel like real worked up about it. I wondered from your point of view why you think those crew members, whoever reported it why they did that i have been trying to track them down ever since it happened Susie. like i still hope that i'll get to interview them one day um do you know who they are yeah okay and you just email them and they don't write back or what yeah i mean obviously during the over the summer when it happened i was like calling them nonstop. um and some people like took down their social media and stuff like they really did not want to be found all Um, right what's the what is your theory I don't know what that, I mean, I know that I've heard that they were very close to Corinne. Obviously that would make sense. They felt some sort of like loyalty uh-huh. to her. Um, but you must've 
felt pretty strongly about witnessing something to lose your job and presumably never be able to work in that industry again, right? Like, are those women, are men hireable right now? As soon as it happened, that's what me and my husband were saying is like, well, no one's going to hire them again. These are all right. freelancers. Like they're not down to make like good television. Yeah. They have morals. Or right. who knows, you know. Right. I mean, no, nobody likes the whistleblower. And that's even through this Me Too movement, like, yeah, we clap for them, but they're probably going to have trouble getting work. All of them. Yeah. I mean, and it also is like, I, I mean, you sort of alluded to this in your Jezebel piece. It's crazy to me that that was only a few months ago and we've completely stopped talking about it and it has not really cast a shadow on the franchise. And then I wrote a story a few months ago about this um, former producer who sued the franchise because of sexual harassment. Uh, Her name was Becky Steenhook and she's still, she's in the middle of legal proceedings, basically where her case was that she said um, the the work environment was a place where she was like a very sexually conservative uh, young woman and everyone around was like, always talking about their sex life and egging her on because she felt so uncomfortable with it. And um, they said, she said that when she confronted them about how uncomfortable it made her that they, she got fired. Um, And so even that, I mean, it's like, there's a lot of these things out there that paint an idea of the bachelor workplace as a certain kind of environment. And it's not really stopping us from watching. It seems. Well, why do you think that is? I mean, I don't know. It's hard. I, like, you could ask the same question about what happened on uh, the challenge with, what's her name? Tanya. Yeah, with Tanya. I mean, I still watch the challenge sometimes. Yeah. Do you still watch it? Well, yeah, I get paid to watch it because we have a Patreon, where, uh, which is like a member community. Yeah. And um, we watch it every week, and people watch us watching it. <laughs> I mean, that's the whole struggle with all of this is like, there are so many things about The Bachelor that I find problematic. You know, now we have, we're talking about really serious allegations of like sexual harassment and potentially like assault. And then we're talking about just general representations of women and things that make feminists feel icky. And like, why is it that I can just disregard all of that? Because for the last few episodes, when they start to fall in love, I, like, get all warm and gushy. Like, that makes me feel gross, you know? <laughs> Are, do you feel conflicted about it? Oh, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. But what, now, though, you're totally immersed. Like, you're in too deep, sister. So, like, do you feel like you can enjoy it in the same way now? You can still, like, go into that mode? Or is it different? Uh, when I'm watching with my friends, yeah, because, like, yeah. also, I think I mean, a lot of people are like, well, should people stop watching The Bachelor? Like, I'm not here to say stop watching The Bachelor. Obviously, I still watch it. I just think we need to be watching these shows with a more critical eye. And I tried to raise this point at the end, like, why aren't we talking about, like, the cultural obsession with wanting to be a reality star? Or, like, why women, when they act, like, a Corinne gets on the show and maybe thinks she has to, like, behave more sexually to get The Bachelor? Like, all of the, you know, reality TV doesn't have to be evil. It's, like, the behaviors that are being exhibited on the show that we need to be talking about. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. And I, people always uh, are critical of me because I'm constantly pointing out the things that are problematic about the genre. Yeah. But... I, for me, I, it's not about not consuming it. It's about 
sort of like the truth campaign for cigarettes back like in two, like 1990s, where they were like, we don't care if you smoke, we just think you should be an educated consumer. I feel like that about reality TV. And they're not all the same either. But do you think that that's what we're, that's what I'm, the fundamental question is like, are we doing, are we smoking cigarettes? Like, are we doing something we know is going to kill us? <laughs> um, I do kind of, yeah. With regards to certain shows, not all reality TV, like Project Runway or like Top Chef, where there's a skill involved, um, they have the same manipulative culture and, you know, they are designed to be dramatic, but it's not as wrapped up in your personal life when you get home. Yeah. And that's what troubles me about my show and The Bachelor is that they're like, okay, thanks for the footage. Hope your life's not ruined. Peace out. And for some people, their lives are ruined. Right. Yes. I mean, the effects can be super long lasting. Do you tell, do people come to you for guidance to say like, should I go on one of these shows? And what do you tell them? Mm, sometimes. And, you know, I say no, run for your life. But that's like telling someone not to marry their boyfriend. Who they've you been dating for four yeah, seconds. Like, yeah. It, that's not, it's fruitless. Because you just, all of the shiny parts look so great and so fun. And comparatively, like there's this one guy on our show called Derek, and he um, just recently returned to the challenge after like a long hiatus. He's in his late 30s. And he, during that hiatus, was working um, on a fracking job. And hmm. so he came back and he's like, this is great. Why did I ever leave? And he thinks I'm nuts for saying the show's terrible because compared to what he was doing, it's a pretty great life. Which may well be true, right? Like, yeah. who are we to say what, if, if that's the, um, if you're comfortable with that, like, emotional trade-off, I guess, then instead of working hard labor, like, Right. Sure. And I thought, okay. well, what do I know? I've never had to frack, so... <laughs> the challenge is pretty great comparatively um okay let me try to wrap it up because i know you got to go but um what about i got like 15 more okay what about caitlin bristow she seems like uh i know she's avoiding you i don't know why because she seems like the kind of gal that would be up for chatting i know i thought she would and she's told someone that I, like a mutual friend that she feels like the black sheep of the bachelor family. She kind of alludes to that on social yeah. media. I think. Yeah. And like, they don't always include her and like, she doesn't get as all, all the same invites and stuff. And so do you think that, she, that, that she's paranoid or that there's something about her that was not as appealing to the producers? I mean, I don't, I mean, maybe it all started to go wrong when she like really by accident <laughs> revealed her acting on Snapchat. I'm sure they weren't very pleased by that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Her personality does seem like I listen to her podcast sometimes and she seems She's pretty funny. upfront about her experience and unvarnished, you know, so I'm not sure that always goes over super well with the franchise, at least in my experience. Um, but then again, I was like surprised that she wouldn't want to. Talk, like when I made my first list of people I thought were going to talk yeah. to me, she was high on there. And then that was not the case. So. What is your theory about that? Because that baffled me. I don't know. Caitlin, talk to me. I know. 
The other thing is, like, I I have to say, like, I'm not, I said this to everyone in the book, I wasn't out to be, I'm not, like, trying to make The Bachelor seem evil. Like, you don't have to say anything. If you talk about what you're comfortable talking about, you know, like, we don't have to talk about producers. Talk about how you emotionally felt during that time or what your life was like afterwards, you know? Like, I think all that stuff is interesting. The Um, weird thing is that they act, the way that they act towards you sometimes where they're like, I don't know, what are you going to do with it? is how they should act towards the producers, <laughs> you know? Oh, the, you mean the contestants? Yes, this sort of critical thought of, like, I'm I'm a little, you know, wary about talking to you and opening up because what are you going to do with it? But they do not do that with the producers who actually will do crazy things with their story. Well, because there's, like, again, like, the cost-benefit thing. Like, there's yeah. there's – the producers are helping to make them famous if they go along with what they want, right? Yeah. That's like they're getting something pretty great in return. Right. All right. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you so dismayed? Like, tell me. Oh, my God. That was my, my – I loved your book, but reading it made me so sad. Why? Because I know it's all true, and I know that there I are people – I want me to take you to realize, like, what it, your experience had honestly been like. Well, I did seven shows, and only – I I got a little more jaded with each one, but only um, I would say a year or two after my last one was I like, oh my god! And I, my co-host, she was on a show where she was paired with her rival. They won, and then he got to choose whether to keep all the money or or split it, and he chose to keep it. And it was this big explosive moment, so she got nothing. And then I saw the way that the producers acted about it and were like, Sarah, it's not personal. It's just business. And these are people that we would go out to dinner with all the time. And like, I invited to my wedding and like, so I'm like, okay, it's just business. But then when we started doing these Q and A's in our Patreon, they would text us and be like, stop saying bad things about the show. Why do you guys trash the show? Don't bite the hand that feeds you. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wait a minute. I thought this was just business. But it's personal when we say bad things about it. Huh. And so we're talking so – do you think like – I mean, you just mentioned the person who took the money from Sarah. Like we're talking obviously a lot about producers, but what about the other contestants? Like on The Bachelor, there's a lot of, you know, contestants talking shit about yeah. each other. You know, like – I don't blame them as much though. Because they're, as I write about so much, they're trained to do that and they're incentivized and it's job security, Mm -hmm. you know, too. And I do understand that motivation. The The one thing I wanted to say to you, too, is do you think that it's weird how I find that the audience of reality TV has a very weird relationship with what they're consuming, where they love it. And yeah. it's like super fun, but they're kind of repulsed by the cast. Like they feel superior to them. Yeah. And like, yeah. and it's this thing that even though they're on their couch watching it and we're actually doing it and on, they're like those losers. That's weird. Right. Totally. Well, that was like what I was saying to you um, at the beginning, which the experience of doing this has really like made me try to curb my judgments because so like 
I've had a lot of my friends be like, oh, that like little blonde who's going on the show and thinks she can just like, she's all she cares about is like having eight babies and moving wherever the guy wants. And like, I'm an independent woman. And you know, it's like, I don't know. It's so hard to feel like these are real people when you're separated from them by the television. And that's something I feel bad about. Um, And I don't know. I do think it's like, especially with the bachelor where we're all experts because we've all dated and fallen in love where it's like, you can't judge people as much on top chef or survivor because we don't all know how to like cook a gourmet meal or build a fire. Right. But we've all dated someone. So we can all be like, well, what is she doing? That's not how you attract a guy or like she's being too slutty or like, Oh, why would he say that to her? Like, you know, you just let those fly out. So it's like the ripe environment. It's the environment is so ripe to just go crazy with judgments. Okay. So where do we go from here now? Do you feel like you're tapped out on the bachelor and, or will you continue to write about it or what's your next move? I'm a little batched out. Like, in terms, <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not, you know, I still want to bring the truth to the people. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I would love to talk to those producers. Um, and I'm still going to watch, but I think there are other stories to uncover. And, you know, at the paper, I've been working on a lot of stuff about um, me too. And, covering some of those victims and and survivors in Hollywood. So that's been interesting and rewarding in a different way. But, you know, like, I'm sure people ask you all the time, you you have a podcast, like, about a reality show? Like, and it's, you're trying to bring something more intellectual to it. It's, I obviously got that reaction a lot, too. Like, well, what is there to say about The Bachelor? Um, But I hope that people think maybe there is something to it and walk away evaluating the way they consume reality television. I've gotten a lot less of that since Trump was elected because if you would like evidence for when we became or how we became a reality TV nation, well, I think we have it. The people would people prefer to be entertained than they do to have somebody that would maybe fight for their best interests or that's like a little boring, but super smart. And so I think that that is a direct descendant of the way that we've been trained to uh, watch television, consume media and what is valuable, what is seen as valuable. And that's entertainment at any cost. I completely agree with you. And it's a lot easier to just sit back and be like, I'm just watching TV. Who cares? But you're watching TV every night. That's a yeah. big part of your mind and how we grow up and shaping who we are. So, and obviously our culture, our politics. Yeah. Well, you did such a tremendous job unpacking it, describing it and getting very fascinating information and gave me a lot of food for thought. I know my listeners are going to love it too. So thank you yeah. so much. Thanks Susie. I'm so glad to meet you. One of my favorite reality show best. <laughs> Oh, and by the way, we like to ask people what they keep in the trunk of your car. Do you keep anything weird or interesting in the trunk of your car? I love that question, but I don't have anything good. I have my electric car charger. Mm. Um, I have, and I feel like these are all like environmentally friendly things. I have like tote bags instead of, 
you know, yeah. uh, plastic and paper. Yeah. And a dog leash. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> what do you have? I do. I have the totes as well. Um, I usually have like something for Goodwill. Like I'm always like purging oh, that's good. from my house and stuff like that. But we do have this theory that it's like evidence of where you are in your life. And that's true. I've definitely had a more like crowded trunk at other points in my life or like if you're dating someone and you just have like spare clothes or whatever <laughs> now mine's like very responsible yeah you're adulting early 30s yeah <laughs> well thank you so much i'll let you know when the, this comes out but um keep up the good work you're fantastic thanks Susie. let's like i hope we can meet soon yeah let's be friends in real life Yay. we're here to make okay. friends yeah. <laughs> yes <laughs> thanks baby Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.